Now for our reading from God's Word, we're turning to Ephesians chapter 5. We're reading the section from verse 22 to the end of the chapter, verse 33. The Apostle Paul gives instructions to wives and husbands. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the saviour. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are all members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. May the Lord be pleased to bless that portion of his word. We'll be considering the the opening three verses of this section uh, later in the service. Our text this morning found in Ephesians chapter 5 verses 22 uh, through to 24. Uh, We read, Wives, Submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the saviour. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Uh, The previous verse, verse 21, uh, introduces us to the subject then uh, of submission. We read there, submit to one another uh, out of reverence for Christ. And that submission is again one of the characteristics of the spirit-filled life that is referred back to there in verse uh, uh, 17 and 18 and 19. And those sections there of joyfulness and thankfulness also being evidenced. Now, uh, it's a while since we uh, looked at this passage together, so I just simply need to remind you of what uh, this subject of submission does not refer to. As we have stated in the past, whatever submission is, and we will come to seek to understand what it is, it's not a synonym for inferiority. We again quote from the first book of of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So uh, there, even in Genesis, we see that every human being 
is considered uh, as equally important. So whatever is involved in this subject matter of a submission here, it cannot be anything to do with one being inferior to the other. And that's an important line uh, to begin with. In respect of personal salvation, no particular group is more favoured than another. Paul later writes in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 28, There is neither, he says, Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now by saying that, Paul didn't mean to say there are no longer such a thing uh, as Jews and Greeks. We're all uh, citizens of the world. He still understood that there were nations and languages. When he spoke about there is none slave nor free, he wasn't saying that, that, that there should be this utopian society where everybody... Uh, no, he understood that there was a, a structure to society. It might not be a fair structure, but uh, that was what had been set up, that was what had been agreed. And when he said male and female, he, he wasn't either suggesting as well that these uh, distinctions no longer exist. But what he was saying was this, that you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive you your sin, uh, there is none, no one who is more highly favoured or more highly respected or more highly loved by God the Father, Son and Spirit than anyone else. So this did not mean that Jews and Gentiles uh, ceased to exist or males and females were no longer known. The kingdom of God is made up of all different types of languages and statuses and characters. Also as well, before we look at this subject matter, neither does submission equal exploitation and oppression. Now there are those who take a very strong line against the Apostle Paul. They say, first of all, he was a Jew, and we know it was a very patriarchal society. Secondly, he wasn't, as far as we understand, even married. So why did he even put his foot in here on a subject that he knew little about, no experience of it? And he seems to be against women. And those perhaps who speak in that manner uh, of this and other passages in the New Testament, some of those who are the most vociferous on this account uh, speak so because uh, when you speak to them and ask them to give you a little part of their story, not all, but there are a number who can give testimony to have been tyrannized or badly treated by a male figure in their lives. And as a result of that, because of the hurt in their heart, they now speak so strongly. And we can understand why they do. But the submission that the Apostle Paul is talking about here can never be a forced unwillingness. It's to be a voluntary willingness in the context immediately here of a married couple. And also before we look at the duty of the wife, let's also point out that this section that we're beginning to consider now this morning uh, is 12 verses long. Three verses are addressed to the wife and nine verses are addressed to the husband. 
in the English version, 40 words with respect to wives, some 115 words regarding husbands. And all these verses as well, we remember, are in the context of the earlier verses in chapter 5 here of a spirit-filled life. What it means to walk in the spirit. And all these verses then, as we've said, are not only that, but let's be absolutely then up front as we begin uh, looking at these verses. Paul is talking specifically and particularly about the marriage of a man to a woman, both of whom know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. He's writing to believers at the church at Ephesus. Both would, I'm sure, readily agree that they have sinful natures. Both also would agree that they're not always right in their opinions or the decisions that they make. And that both have much room for improvement. Now, sociologists speak of marriage as some sort of social convention. It's quite interesting. Uh, with regards then to uh, uh, this thought of the way a society is organized. And so a sort of decision is made, this little nuclear unit of uh, being able to arrange life uh, and to make life uh, uh, smooth and easy, perhaps, uh, for the functionings of society. Uh, a social convention, a social contract is made uh, in that sense. Something perhaps made up then, uh, something that's, that's evolved in the thinking of people over the, over the generations, a, a good idea, a, a way of organizing ourselves. Whereas the Bible is very clear. The Bible speaks of marriage as something ordained and commanded uh, by God, which reflects essentially the love of Christ for his church. And this is what we'll notice now in uh, both of these uh, occasions, whether it be addressing the wife. It's in the context of Christ. Loving his church. And you might already begin to think, well, you see, th this is no relevance to me. I, I, I'm not in this category. I'm not a wife. I'm not a husband. I'm now a widower. I'm a widow. I've never been married. I'm a young person. I, I, I've got no thoughts about this. How can this be of help to me this morning? Well, uh, well, well, whatever position you're in, we're also able to point to the Lord Jesus Christ here. And it is he, in one sense, who is the foundation for, for this relationship for all uh, profitable relationships. And we see his love for the church. And if you are a Christian, you are part of that church. And in one sense, as you see and understand how much he loves you, uh, then as the spirit of God dwells within you, you're able to express that love uh, to those in those relationships that you have yourself. And then lastly, before we look at uh, the three questions this morning, there's no ground for smugness uh, as a husband reads these three verses. A wife's responsibilities are very clearly di uh, different from a husband's responsibilities. And if we think it hard this morning to submit, well, then how hard is it then to, to love, which is what the husband is required to do? So let's ask three quick questions then from these verses. There's verse 22, verse 23, and verse 24. Uh, the question from verse 22 is this. Uh, is submission exclusive? Is submission 
exclusive. We'll open that up in a moment. Secondly, from verse 23, is headship exploitative? Is headship exploitative? And thirdly, from verse 24, is submission expansive? There's mention of the word everything there in verse 24. Uh, what, what's the extent, what's the expansiveness of that word everything? So let's return to verse 22 again. Is submission exclusive? Can verse 22 be read in such a way to suggest that every woman is to submit to every man? Now, there are some societies which organize themselves in this capacity. And men are the most important. They are the, uh, the, the significant ones. They make the decisions politically, socially, and domestically. Uh, they're always in every way regarded uh, as superior. Now, can you, are you reading verse 22 in that way? Is submission then exclusive? Well, certainly. Uh, this is what the Apostle Paul, if he's, what he's ever he's talking about here, the answer is clearly an unambiguous no. It's clearly important to say that every woman is not to submit to every man. Look what the text tells us. The text is specific. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. These verses are addressing that monogamous relationship between a man and a woman. Also, we must be clear uh, about the phrase here, as to the Lord. F.F. Bruce points out uh, that a wife does not yield to their husband with the same uh, deference as they would submit to Christ himself. You see, we must begin with this point. We've already touched upon it. Every man and woman must, in one sense, yield exclusively uh, their hearts and lives to the Lord Jesus Christ as the Saviour and Lord of their life. Why is it that uh, so many marriage relationships are so troubled? Well, it's essentially because either both or one of the individuals has not yet yielded themselves, not to their husband or to their wife. Uh, the, the important subject is this, they've not yielded themselves to Christ. Now, for the unconverted person, a marriage can see be all about uh, making sure that all those things that will make them happy, that their meals will be cooked, that, uh, uh, that, that they be provided for, um, all those things will be provided and that they will be content. It's all about satisfying themselves. And so when they come to a point then in the relationship where they no longer feel satisfied, that's when the problems begin. And perhaps they look somewhere else for someone else to satisfy them and make them happy and content. Perhaps you've heard uh, the phrase perhaps given to uh, the young man. He says, well, I'm looking for Miss Wright. Miss Wright. I haven't met her yet, but uh, I'm looking for her. And the young lady says, yes, and I'm looking for Mr. Wright. He'll come along one day. I've got high standards, but uh, Mr. Wright... How much thought is ever given by that young lady to herself being Miss Wright and that young man to becoming Mr. Wright? 
You see, it's the other way around, isn't it? It's what you're looking for someone to satisfy you and fulfill you rather than perhaps looking how you, and in our relationships, if you think about it, the Lord Jesus is the example about helping and encouraging and supporting others. That's why, although it was humorous to see it on a, a China mug uh, in a holiday resort, I did feel a bit sad when it said, when I married Mr. Wright, I didn't realize his first name was always. And there it is. It, it comes across. He was Mr. Wright, but he's always right. And that's part of the problem. We're not saying that a marriage between two unbelievers cannot succeed. Or a marriage between uh, one who is a believer and one who is not uh, cannot succeed. But an unconverted woman is unable to submit to her husband because she has not yet submitted to Christ as her Saviour and Lord. And that's the same for an unconverted a man. But we are, note again that it is to, to a specific man. Wives, submit to your husbands in the Lord. It's in the plural, yes, wives. So we're talking still about monogamy here. But each individual wife is to submit to her individually, uh, her individual husband. And that's important as well. There is an obligation uh, then with regards to this. Now you can think of an aeroplane with two wings, uh, an aircraft. In one sense, you, you need the two uh, wings uh, to function. And in one sense, what Paul is touching upon here is that uh, in married life, then, there is uh, the need for both of this. These two wings of submission and also of love. Is it exclusive then? Well, the answer to that is yes, it is exclusive. Submission is exclusive because the wife is only to submit to her husband. Now, that's quite important because, you see, there are those who will teach that a, a woman is to submit to all Authority figures who are men. Well, that's a subject for another area uh, as with regards to governments uh, and leaders. But uh, the basic truth is this. No, is submission exclusive? It is. It's exclusive of the woman to her husband. Now, secondly, let's look at verse 23 and ask the question again, is headship exploitative? Because uh, this is the big subject matter uh, of today, as it's always been. Read verse 23 again. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the saviour. Now, what does headship entail? Well, some jump on the word and see it immediately as a doorway to exploitation and oppression. And sad to say, in many instances of relationship, that has been the way they've been conducted. It's not the biblical pattern. It is thought of as exercising control over, ruling over, dominating someone, manipulating them. And therefore, you can understand how uh, there are many who would wish to reject that. And, and, and we agree, and I, I, we understand, and I say it's acceptable to do so. But look at what this verse tells us. The headship of the husband is likened 
to the headship of Christ in relationship to his church. And you say, well, now, well, yeah, but you're, you know, you're going back into theology. Now you're going back into uh, talking about spiritual things. Uh, we're talking about a man and a woman getting on in married life. Yes, all important, because we come back to this basic doctrine and truth. If you've not submitted yourself to Christ personally, how are you then going to be in a position to be able to rightly conduct your relationships with others? Because essentially, if you haven't submitted yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ, you are still number one. You are still uh, running the country uh, of your life. And no one might speak against what you desire and what you want. Look at the verse. The verse tells us the headship of the husband is likened to the headship of Christ in relationship to the church. How does the scripture speak of Christ's relationship to the church? Because that'll give us insight to what this headship of the husband refers to. Think for a moment now in a different picture. Uh, think of the picture of Jesus speaking of himself as the bridegroom, which he certainly is, but also as the good shepherd. Now, is that shepherd a, a controlling, dominating individually, brutally treating and hurting his sheep? Or is there a picture there of tenderness that expresses watchfulness and a care and thoughtfulness and consideration? And then uh, that of the bridegroom as well, with the bride. Christ is spoken of here as the saviour of his body. And that phrase, his body, is a way of describing those who, whom he has rescued and redeemed from sin and brought into the fold, brought in members of the flock, members of the church, member of the body of Christ. And in the strict sense, only Christ is the saviour of a wife married to her husband. He is the saviour. Christ is the saviour. Only Jesus Christ can make a, a woman right with God. Only he can pay the price for her sin and wipe her slate clean and give her hope of eternal life. But what underscores the thought here is one of care. Headship expresses not dominance, not control and exploitation. It underlines care. Care rather than control. Responsibility, watchfulness rather than ruling over. That's how John Stott writes in his commentary. And John Stott was a bachelor. We are all, both men and women, to come under the wing of Jesus Christ. Under his protection, being under his care. And that happens uh, when our own, when we own our selfishness and we then turn away from it. The scripture never speaks of the wife as a slave. Someone there just to cook meals and do the washing and put out the bins and satisfy all the needs of the husband to make sure his slippers are warm. You know, these sort of pictures and descriptions that have been used over the years to, to denigrate the whole marriage relationship. But it was never intended for that. This is where, again, the opening chapters of Genesis are so instructive. 
chapter 2 and verse 18 reads like this. The Lord said, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to live alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. It suggests someone who is to uh, complement, in one sense to complete, to bring to a wholeness. So if Adam may be spoken of as a king, well then Eve is also to be spoken of as a queen, not as a skivvy, not as a slave girl, not, not, not as someone uh, uh, that uh, a man owns. A man who exploits, a man who takes advantage or uh, uses uh, his wife for his own personal gratification is never the head of the wife. He's never the head. He's taking advantage. He's exploiting. He's manipulating. Some see marriage as satisfying all the needs and the longings and personal desires of your own life. And when you no longer feel that all those things are being satisfied, you, you conclude and look elsewhere. But the head, the head is always thinking of the welfare of the other. The future development and the security of the other. But a woman who knows, you see, that she is cared for and considered and thought of, will not find it so difficult to submit to the one who manifests those qualities. You think of your own Christian life. Christ is the head of the church. Does he care? Remember the disciples in the boat, carest thou not that we perish? Well, they found out he did care for them. Stood up in the boat and the storm ceased. Does he care? Does he love us? Does he understand us? Is he, is he seeking our best welfare? Well, in your own individual life, you're able to answer those positively. He does. Well, now in like manner then, will a husband care for his wife? And therefore then, being that true head, a wife will understand and be willing to submit and ready, readily submit to one who cares and loves her in that manner. Biblical submission, then, is not the unthinking obedience to the rule of a husband, but it's the grateful acceptance of his care. And that's John Stott again. So we've answered the first question. Uh, is um, submission exclusive? Yes. The wife to that one husband alone. Secondly, is headship exploitative? The answer clearly is no. No. Now, the third question. Uh, is this also ex expansive. Look at verse 24. How will we uh, sort of come to, to answer this question here now then? Let's look at it in verse 24 together. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Christ should submit to their husbands in everything. So is submission expansive? What's the extent of this submission? Some read too much into that word at the end of that verse, everything. The answer to this question is both yes and no. The first question is yes. Verse 23 is no. This verse tells us is 
this submission expansive? It's both yes and no. Let's look at what we, what we mean by that. If everything includes all spheres of life, all aspects of the relationship, then it is yes. There's no room in the relationship of married life that cannot be entered, that cannot be uh, the door, the windows can be opened and, and the discussion and fresh air can be brought into it and discussion can take place with regards to what's going on there. There's no place that is barred. So the answer then is yes to that. But there is to be discussion and conversation and reflection. If the wife then is assured that she is cared for and considered and cherished, there is no decision that is not open for discussion or consideration. On the other hand, if however it is thought of as a blind obedience to every whim and fancy, or even doing something against conscience or the law of God, then the answer is emphatically no. It's not everything. Give an example. A number of years ago, um, a, a man who uh, was hoping to become the leader of uh, a political party uh, to save uh, his reputation, uh, asked his then wife to uh, take penalty points for him uh, for uh, a driving offence. And um, in agreement, or certainly with a bit of pressure, uh, she did so. And then it came to light uh, that it wasn't uh, it wasn't the wife who had been driving the vehicle, and so the the, the man uh, not only had to serve a prison sentence, uh, but also as well he was robbed from the opportunity of becoming the the leader of the political party. To be forced then, in that sense, uh, to do something against the law of the land, or the law of God, or against one's conscience, you cannot expect either a husband or a wife to, in that sense, to acquiesce to everything. This isn't this part of some of these uh, uh, programs that we watch in terms of uh, detective agencies, that uh, uh, this is the, the forced, forced alibi, the, the false alibi, uh, that the individual is forced to say a certain thing, that he was with me here on the night, or she was there at that particular time, the phone call is there. Again, we see this clear verse as a reference to the relationship of Christ to the church. Jesus Christ always had and always will have the best interests of his people at heart. Certainly Christ is the bridegroom par excellence who loves the church so much that he's willing even to lay down his life in sacrificial love. Agreed, all husbands are at least uh, a work in progress. We'll consider that clearly uh, as all of us need to be sanctified more and more in body, soul and spirit. We're not always, always right, but neither are we always, always wrong. And sometimes you have that impression from some of the things that are said today. Uh, a man is always wrong. If you know that you are loved, despite the failures and disappointments that occur, there will be a readiness to forgive. 
Last illustration I give you. Two male friends were discussing uh, together and one stated that whenever an issue of concern was raised by his wife about something he had done, he said she becomes historical. His friend laughed at him. He said, no, no. he said, you mean hysterical? He said, no, historical. She goes back to the very beginning, even before we got married, of the wrong things that I've done. She's historical. Now, in one sense, what we're touching upon here is this ability to forgive. There has to be that, the cross, in the middle of all relationships. How else can you progress unless there is forgiveness? These verses, then, are instructive. Let me ask you, as I close this morning, have you yet submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ as your saviour? Both men and women must do so and need to do so. Even John Calvin it was described as the man whom God subdued. We all have to be subdued. We all have to be brought low. We all have to acknowledge our sin and to see and to own our responsibility and accountability before God and then begin to rebuild that life that God wishes to build in us so that we might have right relationships and lead people in the way of truth. Only a submitted woman can come to that place of trust in her husband uh, uh, by, by herself submitting to the Lord Jesus Christ as her Lord and Saviour. Well, God willing, we'll have another occasion to uh, turn the attention away from the wife's need uh, and encouragement to submit to the husband's responsibility and duty to love. May God bless his word to our hearts this morning.